here we go. Episode 49 for the boys. For the boys and girls. For all you um, loyal listeners out there, big shout out. Episode 49. Um, today's show, we're going to talk about State of Origin. We're going to talk about the front rowers and their trials. Uh, we're also going to talk about a few of the matches for this week. And... Uh, yeah, and everything else. Rugby, rugby, rugby league. Anyway, enjoy the show. Right, so here we go. We're here one week out from State of Origin. One week out from State of Origin. I haven't even talked about it. Um, so we'll, we'll get on to that at some point on the show tonight. Uh, but we've got to... Oh, sorry, one second. Right, I so, yeah, I thought one of them, I thought they were asleep, but obviously, you know, one has woken up. I do apologise if uh, we do get interrupted again, but he should be in bloody bed, the bastard. Anyway, enough about him. Alright, so uh, we've got to kick off the show as we do every single week. With the reason why we have, uh, have a game, you know, without the front rows, we do not have a game, so... Just want to recognise the front rowers that scored tries this week. So, um, it was uh, Francis Molo's brother, I, feel, I believe, uh, debuted on the weekend. Michael Molo. Michael Molo. So, uh, he scored a try and he came off the bench. I didn't actually watch the game. I, I, I'm just going to say he's a front row because he's the brother of a front row. He come on off the bench. Big chance he was a, he was a middle when he come on. So... I'm going to put him in there. We had James Fisher-Harris, which I'll get to. Jerry Whitey Hargraves as well. Fisher-Harris scores a try. Josh Populiti scores a try. And then Jarris Wallace, three trials in two weeks. He scored himself a double. You know, and, and, and as I say, you, you know, you give front rowers recognition. You give them the recognition and they start to shine. Um, so, yeah, big ups to them. I didn't see any dummy fires over the weekend. Uh, so that's a good sign there. Again, I didn't watch every game. But a uh, yeah, brilliant sign there that uh, there was no dummy files over the weekend. Uh, also, just wanted to, um, yeah, I'm going to quickly touch on the Jared Wadey Argos bit first. Uh, first snap. Uh, so, he got pen- he got penalised for that high tackle on, on, on Har- Fisher-Harris to score the try. Now, Fisher-Harris just copped it on the chin. Didn't make a solid dance about it. It hurt him. You could tell that it hurt him. I think that's what it's going in the replays and stuff. But he didn't, he didn't give any carry on about it. He didn't get all uh, macho, as some people do. They'd like to get macho. Sometimes the teammates like to get macho. He didn't get macho. He uh, just copped it on the chin, literally, which I actually quite, quite respect. But at the same time, just because he copped it on the chin doesn't mean that it was sweet. It doesn't mean that what Jerry Wadey goes is... Um, was in the right there. Now I've listened to Trent Robinson's press conference. He's, you know, he doesn't agree that he should speak like that, but he feels as though, uh, you know, Hargroves has a point, which I completely disagree with. Um, he went up to Jared Sutton and says, "You do this to me every single time." Now he is targeting. He is saying that comment to 
the referee then and there, who did not look at the replay, who is not uh, asking to put him on report, he is being instructed to put him on report. So I've got no understanding as to why, so other than frustration, doesn't justify it, is he having a go at the, at the referee there for continually putting him on report? And even if Jared Sutton did say, I want to have a look at that, at the end of the day, you hit him in the head. You hit him in the head now. Oh, I've watched a lot of his game. And I think it wasn't an accident. I feel like you can make, you can avoid smacking him with your arm on, the, on their face. So he's going to say it was an accident. I don't believe him. Um, one, but that's a matter of opinion from my perspective and, and a matter of whether it's truth or a lie from Hargraves. But we're never going to chat about it, nor should we. But I think he did it deliberately. But then to pinpoint the referee there saying that he puts him on report every single time. Well, in this instance, it, wasn't, it was the video ref, the bunker, that's put him on report. So you're getting angry at the wrong person. And then I think he tried to pass it off as if they were like, they've, they've got a long relationship. They've got like a good relationship, which they probably do. They probably do. So he's gone. It seemed like he went over there and he's gone like, mate, come on. Like, you know, trying to downplay the actual incident. Trying to make it seem like that Hargraves is being hard done by he When... He's the one who smacked him in the face. Like, you're, Hargraves is the one who smacked him in the face. He's getting caught here. And then he's making out that uh, um, it was the refs pinpoint, like picking on him, like targeting him. And then Romo says if it was someone else, they wouldn't have been sent in. Or if it was someone else, they wouldn't have been put on report. And then he started asking questions about all the other times that, you know, they let them all go. The fact is, he whacked this guy in the face as he's trying to score a try. And yeah, I agree, there should be a lot more possible eight-point tries. And that's it as well. It's not an eight-point try. It's a possible eight-point try. It's a penalty in the process of scoring a try. It's not... It's not... Uh, you know, it's, so it's a possible eight-point because they got to keep the conversion for the try and then they get a penalty in front to kick a goal. Which maybe it'd be interesting to see. <coughs> oh, no, no, just keep it simple. Just keep it simple, Wiki. It doesn't need to be any more than that. But yeah, I completely disagree with Hargrove's here, and and um, and also Robbo saying that Hargrove has a point. I just completely disagree with that. Um, but in saying that, uh, there was a few bunker decisions that weren't correct over the weekend. Um, and then there was a bit of chat talking about whether the bunker should be here or shouldn't be here. Now, I've said this before. I don't know if it was on that, that episode that didn't come on the podcast and ended up only on TikTok, but I've said it. Math, like Mathematically, it would be stupid to get rid of the bunker. The bunker, I don't like. I personally find it a little bit frustrating when it comes to slowing the game down um, and, you know, having your team score a try and then it get taken off you, that frustrates me. But at the end of the day, if the result or the outcome is right, more than it is wrong, 
And of course you've got to keep the bloody bunker. Of course you've got to keep it. And like, there's instances where the ref has made the wrong call and they've made it right. And so like, the bunker is to, to the bunker is there to get it 100% right, but they're not going to get it 100% right. So just because it's not 100% right doesn't mean that you can't go with it. Now there's got to be times where it frustrates me and there's certain things that shouldn't be missed that it makes it even more frustrating. But I don't think it, it should go away because the fact is we're getting more correct outcomes than we would without it. And so um, there's going to be times where it's annoying me, but I think overall it, it should stay. It should stay. Um, so, yeah, that's about that one. Um, we've got State of Origin coming up this week. On, yeah, I don't think it is this week. The teams get named on Monday or Sunday, Monday or Sunday. And, uh, yeah, they play, they'll have that week off and then they play the week after. So, you know, I've, I haven't even talked about it, but, um, you know, Tedesco and Cleary, Cleary, sorry, they're the certainties. They're picked straight away. Um, Pretty much all the other positions, maybe not, maybe not the five eight position, but all the other positions there, they're right up for grabs this year. Um, so maybe maybe you lock Luai in there as well. So you've got Tedesco, Cleary, and Luai locks, lock them in. They're in there. But at hooker, there's Cook who's been playing well. He's played well for New South Wales. Um, but then there's Coruscant, who will, who's been playing well as well, and has the combination with the Panthers that are going to pretty much flood the team. Uh, sorry, the other lock in the team is the lock, the 13, Isaiah Yo. He will start at 13, purely, uh, solely because of the combination. He's one of the form 13s in the game. Now, you know how I feel about Cam Murray, but Cam Murray doesn't have the combination with Cleary and Luan, so... He's going to get that. Uh, when Mitchell got injured, and to be fair, Turbo, for me, has always seemed a little bit sketchy, and I've always felt it needed to sort of like look after him. So when Latrell was injured, for some reason, I always had this thought about Turbo not going to be available, and it was just this little thing that I just kept saying, no, no, he'll be there. I think there was a period where he was injured, eh? That's right, he was missed a few games, and I just thought, you know, rest him, bring him back, and then um, after last week's game, he, you know, he looked like he was battered and whatnot, but but then he came good for this game, and I thought, oh, maybe they should have rested him, you know. But they played him, and then he was actually fine. He was actually fine. Maybe not, a, maybe not at a hundred percent, but it was fine, a lot better than what I thought he was um, gonna be. And so, in the end, it turned out, you know, he probably should have played. But then, in hindsight, he fucking gets injured, you know. Um, and those are those ones we can't really control. Well, I suppose you can't really control any of the injuries, but um, that's not how he got injured there. wasn't what you were trying to rest him from. So, yeah, it's a bit unfortunate for Manly and New South Wales. So both our centres are gone. Uh, I think Staggs was already going to get picked. And then when Turbo goes down, now that other spot comes up. So on the left last year, we had Burton. And you know Burton can slide straight in there at left centre. Uh, but then there's Crowded, who's also been playing well. But I think Staggs is a, is, a, is going to get picked as right centre. Uh, but yeah, the left centre probably uh, could be Whiten as well. 
um, because because what's his name loves his Warren, so Warren could get picked the left center. Uh, we could have Luai um, at six. Now the wingers. So within on the wings, we've got Araka, uh, Lashi, Araka, and Toto. Um, so Araka is probably you know uh, in contention. Toto has come back and he's in contention. There's Tupo who's in contention. Um, there's Angus Crichton. Oh, not Angus Crichton. There's Stephen Crichton that could be on the wing as well uh, if he doesn't get the spot in the centres. Uh, there's there's Campbell Graham that could be playing in the centres. And there's Zach Lomax that, uh, you know, uh, my mates out there know, um, have their thoughts on Lomax as well. So there, 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 there's just to name a few people that could get picked in the outside backs there. Um, I hope I haven't missed anyone. I probably have. As you know, um, Lua and Cleary in the halves, and then we go to the forwards. So, like last year, I think we had Daniel Seiferty, Payne Huss, and, uh, or Jake Trebojevic, um and Isaiah Yo. So, Isaiah is at 13. We probably got, oh, I personally, I love Jake Trebojevic. So, he's who I would start with, and I also would have started with Cam Murray as those three. Um, but I think Cam Murray is actually going to go to the second row with. Tyson Frizzell, who's never let us down there. Uh, but there's also um, Liam Martin in contention. There's also the manly back rower, Olukowatu, who's been getting a lot of, um, you know, a lot of backing from a lot of people who've been mentioning his name. Or I mentioned it to a manly fan the other day, Blake. Shout out to Blake. Uh, he doesn't believe that he has... The effort on effort on effort that's required at origin level. You know, when you talk about, uh, when Guskell talks about the the hand and the candle and the first to pull the hand away, um, the way that I've watched Olakwatu play so far in his career, he doesn't cross me as the player that is willing to put his hand close to the to the flame for a long period of time. Now, he, he could prove us wrong, but I, I get what he meant what Blake meant by saying he doesn't have those efforts on efforts, which is what um, Origin's about. There's also Tarek Sims, who I don't, I've never really been fond of, but he seems to always get picked for New South Wales, and he played really well last year. Um, so, But I would have Cam Murray and Tyson Frizzell in, on the edges, uh, Liam Martin on the bench, uh, but we'll get to the bench. And then up front, we're going to go Jake Chaboyevich as one, and then... Payne Haas probably is the other, but the thing with Payne Haas is he's he's not necessarily uh, he's a high volume type of player, but he's not a high explosive type of player, and I think sometimes that balance. So he's he's definitely in the top three or top six front rowers in New South Wales. So he plays for New South Wales, but it's sort of hard for me to picture how to get the most out of him or how he can contribute best for New South Wales, whether he comes off the bench or starts. You know, like, and what I mean by that is I like starting with Jake Chibuivich because he's a guy who breaks, who, like, can tackle hard, where, where I don't feel as though Payne Haas necessarily um, hurts, you know, punishes him in defence. He's very, very difficult to handle offensively. And so I feel as though if you could bring him on um, after those, you know, those fiery exchanges... 
and then he can still use his, you know, explosiveness on that second tier, not the second tier, because they're all origin players, but, you know, the opposition's bench and get him at that, at that bench, I think might have a, you know, benefit there as well. Um, and then, yeah, so Jake Chaboyevich. And so if Jake Chaboyevich is going to start, then who would I start with him? And I feel like it's probably going to be a Polo, uh, Polo, uh, Do they go Jack the Ballon? Jack the Ballon? I don't know. Um, you know, see, the thing is, if we'd had that Victor Radley, we could have started with the Victor Radley. We would have actually started with three thirteens. It would have been quite funny to look at um, Victor Radley at an eight or a ten. But anyway, um, you know, they all want to be in the front rowers club. Anyway, that's where the recognition's at. You know, without the front rowers, we ain't got no game. Um, so, yeah, it's a little bit up for grabs, um, the, the front rowers positions. Um, and then... Onto the bench, so I would have, I would have, I don't know, I don't know what I would have done if Victor Radley was still a, still fit, he probably would have been 14, I know I would have started him, but I actually probably would have had him at 14, I'm sorry, I know I said that I would have started him, but realistically I probably would have had him at 14, but now he's out, we've obviously got to go with Hines, I think is the 14 now. <clears throat> Although, you know, I had Pappenhaus in the first 14 and then I had Victor Radley and now I've got Hines. I don't want to, I don't want to say Hines is the 14 now because, you know, he might get injured. But um, that's who I've got at the moment. And then I've got Liam Martin because I just love Liam Martin. I've got Payne Huss. Um, I've got Payne Huss, Liam Martin, Nico Hines and maybe that last position. That last position, Toby Rudolph. Actually, maybe we could start with Toby Rudolph and put Paul on the bench. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? It's gonna be interesting. I, I'll, I um, I don't really know. Yeah, I, I don't really know, but I'm sure there's plenty, plenty of options. It's a bit disappointing our two big strike weapons, and that's actually what made us so lethal last year. Is that we had the three best fullbacks in the game all on the field at the same time, which you know, you don't even get that in a regular game, let alone in the same team. So that was pretty cool. Um, what else was I wanting to talk about? Uh, oh, yeah. Another shout out to the refs again. Um, so I've just written a few notes down. And so I do apologize if this sounds a little bit, you know, out of whack and not in, in time or whatever. But yeah, there was a call in the Broncos game against the Knights where... That Hetherington, I don't know his first name. It's not Jack and it's not Jason, but it's something Hetherington plays for the Broncos. Uh, he got tackled and then passed it. And I I thought he got hard done by there. I also thought that um, you don't get penalised for passing it anymore. But those are in those situations where the ref has called held and the player hasn't heard it as held. But when you've been tackled, say you've been, that constitutes you to being held, and then you pass it, that's a penalty. Now, I don't see how they're different, but, um, like, why they're so, they're so different that they get two completely different, um, Punishments like one isn't even a punishment. You get to play the ball, and the other one is you lose the ball, which and they get to kick it twenty meters. So um, I'm not sure how they're so far different that they get such a difference in uh, punishment. 
but uh, it was a good call. It was a good call because he was tackled. I didn't think he was tackled, so I just want to give credit there. Um, oh, yeah. The banner debacle. The banner debacle. Now, this is something that I should have started the show off with, but I've, 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 I've got it on my notes here. Now, the AFL, they have a banner in every single game. Every single game. Um, and, you know, the players know how to sort of break the banner. And those banners are bit different to a banner that I'm thinking about, but we still in the NRL can't get these banners right. They're making the players, it's supposed to be a good moment about the players and the players are dreading it because they have to punch it through this plastic, like this paper wall or this cardboard wall that they can't break through because it's not done properly. Now it's 2022, honestly. They just need to make one of these bloody posters that they have and just have the serration through it or like Cuts through it. Seriously. How hard is it to have cuts through it? So that when the footy when the footy player when the footy player runs through it, he can break it. Do you know what I mean? Like this guy can normally break through like tacklers. He should be able to run through a piece of paper that has serrates in it. Like just do that. You know what I mean? Like have a few of them. Like, I don't understand. Or why don't they just have the streamers? Why don't they just have streamers down? He runs through the streamers. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's 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 honestly a, a blight. It's a blight on our game. You know, it's a, it's a multi, is it a multi-billion dollar game now? Is it a multi-billion dollar game now? And we can't even get the banner right to run through. And I feel sorry for Twal for having to go through what he went through. And I feel sorry for every other footy player that has to do that. It's ridiculous. They need to fix it. Um, Murray Tolangi, although he is one of the best tries since in a game, he's on fire at the moment, scoring try after try. He's a fibber. And we all know that now. We've seen him. He's a fibber, and he needs to be known as a fibber. Not only one of the best things that Vossi bought him was the, the corner post rule, but also caught out fibbers. He calls out the fibbers. Um, yeah, all right. So we're going to talk about the Roosters game against the Panthers. It's simply put, the Panthers are V8s and the rest of the competition are driving V6s. They just they just have a class. They're just not, it's not, I don't like, I feel like a class above isn't the right term. It's like the Roosters went shot for shot for 20 minutes, half an hour. There's a period there where... You know, it felt as though it was the first time, you know, it wasn't, but, it, you know, it looked as though a little bit there where the Panthers sort of wasn't, hadn't really felt that pressure for a bit. Now, they had, but it just, you know, for a while, the, the Roosters were going backwards and forwards. But then you could tell that, they, you know, in the arm wrestle, they were starting to lose their weight in that arm wrestle. And <clears throat> Robbo did try to dress it up a bit in the press conference by saying, you know, potentially it could have been a 14-12 game or it should have been 6-0 at halftime, you know, without those mistakes and all that jazz. But the fact is they couldn't, they don't have the capacity to maintain that that range for as long with the Panthers. They just don't have the capacity. And that's why I talk about that V8-V6 comparison is because they just can't get to it for that long. They just can't. And so in the back end of that half, that first half, they started to make those mistakes that he talked about, but that all came down to the fact that they were stripped through the middle. 
and they were under fatigue and they were just not able to put themselves in their best positions because they were they weren't they don't have the capacity. Um, and then in the second half, they fought hard. They you know tried hard, but the the fact of the matter is the Panthers ran away with it in the end because they you know are too good for the Roosters. They they might not be too good to win the comp. Like I I get a little bit carried away. I like being cheeky and I like giving the flag out early. Um, but that's just me being cheeky. Realistically, you know, there's a long, long way to go in this competition. You know, the Melbourne Storm, they've had a little lump here, a little low here, which uh, could actually benefit them a little bit because, you know, they come back from that origin period ready to launch, you know what I mean? So the Panthers, they're, they're not mucking around. They're, they're redlining from now. But uh, everyone else will start to make their way towards the top of the tree come finals. Um... So you're happy with the Roosters and their effort, but realistically, they're, they're not in the same class as, as the Panthers at the moment, which is a bit sad. Uh, but for this week, they've got the Sharks this week. So that'll be an interesting contest for the for the Roosters, you know, up against Craig Fitzgibbon. Fitzgibbon will have a good insight on how the Roosters will play, and so will the Sharks. So, um, yeah, I actually am looking forward to it. Who the... Who have the Sharks got? They've got Hunt and Rudolph up front with McGuinness in the middle, Braley and Hooker, uh, Graham on the left and Nicole Nicora on the right. Uh, in the halves, they've got Hines, Moylan, Moylan sorry, Talakai, Tracy in the centres, Mulatalo, Katoa and Kennedy returns. Now, sorry, just on the Sharks as well, that Luke Miller. Was it Luke Miller or Lachlan Miller? Sorry, I think it was Lachlan Miller. Yeah, who's been named 18th man, so good on him. He's earned himself a, you know, a, a backup position. Um, and, and the thing with those sevens players, I heard someone say last night, I think it might have been Sadler, Scotty Sadler. So someone, I don't, sorry, I don't want to blame Sadler, but it was one of them, could have, you know, saying that they don't have, the sevens players don't have the body type, or the forwards and the sevens don't, don't have the capacity to transition a, NRL, I thought it was absurd. I honestly thought it would be. It was absolutely absurd. They have the mobility to play in the middle. They have the cardio to play in the middle, and they have the the explosiveness to play through the middle. Like I don't, I don't, I don't agree that they can't transition over those forwards. So I feel like those sevens players. You know, if they, oh, I had enough of the rugby, the the that game, I think they would find themselves a place in, a, in an NRL squad. Um, yeah, and I actually someone else mentioned this as well that Miller, you know, um, wasn't going to be overruled by the moment of debut in an NRL. Of course, he would. He's twenty seven years old. That's one. So he's played a lot of rugby, but two, he's played for Australia. So he's played against some quality players. He's He's actually been to places that a lot of NRL players probably wouldn't have been. And I'm not talking about in the world. I'm talking about on the field. You know, dark, dark places that you get to in certain matches. Um, so, yeah, I was quite happy with the press with that. And, you know, I enjoyed the story too, as well as, you know, it was publicised quite a bit through the week. So um, I did enjoy the story and happy for it. Um, and hopefully, you know, we get to see him play again this year for the Sharks anyway. Um, the Roosters, who we've got, we've got Collins and Wade Hargreaves up front with Taika Aho at lock. Hutchinson starting at hooker with Butcher and Crichton on the edges. 
Kiri Walker in the halves, Manu Mamoroski in the centres, with Suali'i, Tupo and Tedesco. Now Suali'i, 18 years old is he? Turning 19 maybe this year? Um, beautiful. He's, he, I, I wanted to stay off him for as long as I could because I was really excited about his potential, but I didn't want to get too carried away with him. But over the last three or four weeks, or, you know, I think since he's come back into the team, I've really, really, really been impressed with the way that he he plays the game. He plays the game how I describe Brendan best playing the game, is they were far superior to everyone else on the field when they were playing those junior reps, right? And you can sometimes become a type of player that only likes to do the, the good stuff or the flashy stuff and doesn't like getting down and dirty, doesn't like rock and rolling. And being a young player, it can be hard to want to go from dominating against everyone else to having to go up against men and then do the hard yards that it's not the pretty stuff and it doesn't look good. And that can sometimes be a mental challenge, both physically and mentally. Sorry, not a mental challenge. It can be a physical challenge and a mental challenge. Um, and he just takes it on. Like he has been playing first grade for the last five years. He's 18 years old. He's, he's just running as hard as he can. Coming out, he's taking those big carries, the first off the ruck. I think he took the second hit up off the game, one off the ruck. And like, you don't even see bloody 18-year-old front rowers doing that, let alone 18-year-old wingers doing that. So yeah, then he put that shot on uh, Kiko, which was spectacular. And it just shows that um, he actually is ready uh for the physicality of first grade. And Sam Burgess actually said that. They asked him, and he said that. When, when did he say that? Two years ago? It must have been, because he was at the Roosters last year. And he was at South Sea before that. So, yeah, it would have had to have been at least two years ago. Potentially three years ago, he could have said that this guy was physical. The, he could handle the physicality of first grade. And he is... He is in a good spot right now. Hopefully the Roosters can nurture him, can guide him to be, you know, a 10-year veteran for the club. That'll be, that'll be spectacular. Anyway, guys, um, that's it for the show. Actually, no, it's not. No, it's not. No, it is. No, it is. Sorry, it is. I actually, I forgot. I didn't think I talked about the Roosters versus the Sharks. But, uh, yeah, actually, the main game for this weekend, obviously, Friday night, 6 o'clock, the Panthers versus the Cowboys. So, you know, that, that's going to be a cracking game. You know, the two form teams of the competition, you could say. Uh, shout out to the Boston Celtics. We've got a 2-2 in the playoff series for the Eastern Conference Finals against the Miami Heat. 2-2, so we're back on serve. Uh, we've both won at home and away each, so two all. Um, now this is the championship rounds, as they say, so a little bit nervous there for all my Boston Celtics fans. Rick shout out. Hopefully we get through Jimmy Butler and his men. Um, and, you know, take it looks like, I think, a Golden State of 3-0 up. Potentially could be 4-0. Um, or 3-1, I'm not sure. I don't actually know, but I, last I saw was 3-0. So, you know, if the Boston Celtics are fortunate enough to get through this conference, uh, this conference finals, they find themselves in the championship, it'll be looking like they're going up against the Golden State Warriors. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's it for tonight. Thanks for listening. Peace out. Much love. Good to you, mother.
We out of here.